Welcome to another NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley here. We're going into part two of the team previews. And like part one, I'm joined here with Billy. How are you doing tonight, Billy? Good, mate. Pretty excited. Got, got rid of the uh, jitters first one, ready to go. <laughs> Good stuff. So we'll get straight stuck straight into it being part two. We're going to start off looking at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. So I'll quickly go through the gains and the and the losses, at least the major ones, like last time, and then we'll have a look at a few of the players of interest. So 2018 gains, realistically, not huge outside of probably Dane Gagai from the Knights coming over, and then a few lesser knowns that are reasonable second graders, like a uh, Mark Nichols and Dean Britt from the Storm. I kind of I I rate Dean Britt quite a bit actually, but other than that, it was mainly. Uh, Gagai that's going to be the the main guy coming in. As far as the losses go, Bryson Goodwin, after a long service to the Rabbitohs, has, has left to go to the Warrington Wolves. And Aaron Gray, a bit of a smoky at times, has been a bit up and down in his career, but it's still pretty young. He's gone over the Cronulla Sharks. And other than that, there wasn't really anyone that was playing first grade too much, aside from uh, the old battle axe, David Tyrrell, who is now gone finally. Um, all the rest of the guys were mainly second graders and stuff, so not huge shake-up for the South Sydney Rabbitohs for 2018. A lot of it's the same side. I guess probably the biggest shake-up, which isn't on the player gains or, or losses, is going to be the new coach, Seabold, who will probably have the biggest impact, I think. But, Billy, let's go into some players, and we'll start with their biggest gun, which is undoubtedly always going to be Sam Burgess. Has been for many, many years. Had a bit of a down year last year, though, so... A lot of guys are probably for the first time since forever. A lot of guys are talking about not starting with him. A lot of season coaches, as well as a lot of rookies in super coaches, saying that they're not going to start with uh, Sergis. He comes in with an average of a shade under 65 points a game from last season, which I think is the lowest in a very, very long time. What are your thoughts on Sergis, Billy? Is he going to be in your side? He wasn't for a long period of time. But considering how light that bloody front row forward is and trying to find someone to feel like absolutely ended up chucking him in, he was actually my fourth rabbit pick, <laughs> not first. But um, if you look at the numbers, I mean, I think, I think the thing that scared me off, uh, just the same as a lot of other people, is that second row rotation that seemed to happen towards the end of last year. Yep. But when you think about it, you listen to Sanger's podcast and then the other guys talk about him. And he was obviously playing a lot of injured, carrying a lot of the load. He was rotating out towards the edge a bit more towards the end of the year. But if you look at the stats, he only played only had sort of four tries or something or other. His um, offload was still there, but wasn't as 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 dominant as um, the year before. I just pulled his numbers up um, about a week ago. I just had a look at them just then. If you just count all these games over sort of um, all these games over sixty minutes, I'd take out the forty-minute game, the forty-four-minute game, and the 56-minute game. His average is still back at sixty-eight. Um, yep. I know you got you got to take into account that like he might not be playing those sorts of minutes or that type the same type of role. But worst case scenario, he's, he's probably still going to get you know, sort of sixty minutes out of it. And, and I would much rather sixty minutes out of Burgess as opposed to any other prop in the comp. And he does cover that first buy, so. Even if he is rotating through the edge, um, I like the security of Jewel and uh, a guy that just has that proven pedigree, you know? Yeah, those last couple of things for me are probably the big draw cards um, for me having him in my team. I He wasn't one of my first forwards picked, but I put him in there very, very early on and he hasn't left my side since. And those last couple of things that you said are really going to be the big ones, the security. So 
for me, that front row forward spot, I think everybody's spoken about it and everybody pretty much knows now that it's pretty tough, that front row forward spot. There's, you know, a dozen second rowers that are better than the top couple front rowers that you can put in. So it makes it hard when they've taken away so many dual position guys. But that's kind of good because it's going to make everyone have to think about it a lot more. It's going to vary some teams a bit, which will be nice. But for Burgess, the fact that he is a dual front row, second row forward is going to be three, four, five times more valuable, in my opinion, than what it has been in any years past because they're just harder to find. So for me, yeah. it's it, that's that's a really big thing and it's a good point that you mentioned with that. But the other thing that you mentioned as well, I guess, or alluded to was sort of his floor and that's the other big thing for me. You know, he he averaged 64 to 65 points last year and... Even just looking at that on face value, you know, he's never averaged really lower than that. You know, the year before that, he was at 75. In 2014, he was in 89 points a game in that legendary season that he ran for. So even if he does rotate to the edge and doesn't have as big an impact or, you know, his minutes are stuffed around a little bit, at the end of the day, if if you buy him for 572000 and he gives you 65 points every week and he has been consistent, then... It's not the worst floor in the world. I actually think it's a pretty good floor. Yeah, I know. 55, I think um, games over 60 minutes, only had four games below 55. One was the last game of the season. The other one was the third last game of the season. He was pretty much spent there. And I think what, what you were saying to you before, I mean, it's just the um, yeah, the prettiness of it too. I mean, if you look at your, your super coach team in front of you, try, having having a Lodge and Evans start just kind of makes you throw up on your mouth a little bit but if you've got the surges <laughs> and, you, and you have to decide between Evans or Lodge or Kickow and you just get the right bloke on the right time then you can avoid having spending big on two forwards and just, just get the one guy there and just rotate who you think is going to go well yeah it gives 100%, that, 100%. It gives you that cash making by cover as well yeah Sorry, not cash by cover cash making sort of um, injury cover yeah yeah and you know it's one of those things too with Burgess where you don't often get guys that are, you know, comparatively the lowest price that he's been for like four or five years and then also have that type of upside. So we said, you know, 65 points, if we end up getting what we pay for, that's pretty good. That's not a bad floor. But the reality is uh, he could average 75 points again like he did in 2016. And we could see that again. And that's a 10-point swing, which is huge, you know. Yeah, the other thing to mention is, Pretty, looking at, if you do go really, really deep into all the stats, you find that a lot of lot of opposition, a lot of guys on that play Melbourne, they generally have a lower score. Not so much for the forwards, but Burgess did. Have, that, that's where Burgess's 38 score came in, 80 minutes. Most of the Storm, Crichton's score was lower. Cook was a little pretty, pretty like every, every sort of gun rabbit score was a little bit lower. This year, they don't play Melbourne at all until sort of round 21. So if you take the Melbourne, well, Melbourne Storm score out of every single one of those blokes average, you pretty much miss three or four points. So you pretty much look at looking at a, a 66, 67 anyway. So with, with all that injury, so it lifts them, lifts them again. Yeah, no, that's totally great points there, Billy. Um, and your stats and stuff that you just said before with his injured games and, you know, um, ones where he's had to come off early and everything, which happened a few times. That's pretty appealing when you take those out and you can see sort of that late 60s to maybe even getting towards a 70 upside that he probably would have come through with. Probably the one other thing that I will touch on and I'll put to you though as well is the rotations have been spoken about quite a bit. A lot's been said about Burgess being 
on an edge as opposed to wearing the number 13 jumper or even playing a prop. I don't believe that he's going to spend all his time on the edge because I just don't think Souths are good enough up front. He's their best prop by a mile. He and he, they will they will suffer big time not having him there. So I think they're going to have to lean on him for sure. That kind of bleeds into the minute side of things as well. He's he's going to have a really high minutes floor on what they're going to play him because he can't play low minutes for them. It's not like a Tom Malolo who maybe gets a bit gassed sometimes if you push him into too many minutes and maybe um, has the forwards around him a lot of the time that can help out a bit more. I really don't believe Sergis has a... Even if he does go left edge for a little bit, seriously, he had four tries last year. They've got to worry about... They'll have Murray in the middle who is going to keep doing the same type of thing as Sergis put there. They'll have Crichton to worry about on on, on the right. If Sergis goes at left edge, he's got more chance of busting through and, and... you know, um, GI has more of a chance of playing left centre. So, yeah, which one do you worry about? Burgess steaming through on the left edge or, or GI or, or, or both? So, I reckon it's probably a little bit more beneficial to. I mean, it, it, sure, it drops his score down a little bit, but for, this, for the sake of moving on, dude, I reckon, yeah, I don't think uh, left edge will hurt him too much, even if it's just a small rotation, giving that high floor playing middle minutes and then the chance to add some clutch on the left. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that it's also been. I guess it, going against popular opinion a little bit, and some of the stats kind of don't back up what I'm about to say at all. So going against some of the popular stats, on generally speaking, middle forwards that are going to move to an edge, uh, I don't necessarily believe for someone like Burgess that it's it's going to be bad for him. He didn't, like you said, his his attack wasn't that great last year. He didn't have a lot of tries or line breaks and stuff. And when he's been on an edge at other times, like he's absolutely ripped up. And it's only a small sample size, but like looking at his draw, the th- Three out of their first four uh, games are at home, which is a plus. I'm going to be stacking my team, my starting 17, with whoever's playing the Warriors this year for sure, and that's going to be at home for the Rabbits round one. Penrith away, and then they've got at home two sides that I think will struggle a little bit, particularly early on in Manly and the Bulldogs. So, I mean, his draw's not bad, and I'm, I agree with you. I can actually see some extra attack coming from him as well, which I'm sort of looking forward to a little bit. I want to see some surges attack happening, so... Yeah, he's definitely in my side. He's in your side. I think we both agree that he's a, a pretty astute buy for round one. And not as many people are going to own him as what they normally do for round one too. So he sounds pretty good to me, but we'll move on. I'm going to throw out a past gun. It's been a bit injury riddled and a bit in the news lately. Greg Inglis, centre wing eligible. How are you feeling about GI for this year? Have a little bit of a read just for... Just for giggles, just to see what happened. But I generally have it, not a rule, but generally have a look knee injury type thing recoveries. I don't really sort of go go back to unless it's Gutherson. I'd sort of <laughs> consider him down the track. But no, Geo <laughs> doesn't interest me. Geo doesn't interest me at all, mate. He's never been to any of my teams. I'm just staying clear. Just don't want to go near. I don't have too many stats to roll off because Geo you know, is Geo. Could pretty much do anything. A couple of years ago, he started fullback, and the guys at home just absolutely took off because he had a couple of uh, large ones, but. Um, look, fullback maybe considering with, with that run, but no, not for me. Especially if he's on, if he's moving at the centre, I'm just staying clear. Yeah, it's it's kind of a almost a tale of two halves for me. I um I kind of feel the same as you do now, as far as leaving him out. But probably leading up to before the Supercoach side opened up for us to make our teams, I was pretty adamant that I was going to be on Inglis. I just thought that at 519,000 uh, centre wing eligible and hopefully playing fullback, but if not, even in the centres, that 
it was going to be potentially value for him. And I really didn't want to be left behind, and I thought that that could be a value purchase for the centre wing. The more the months have gone on, uh, the last probably six weeks I've really gone off him. Um, and, you know, part of that's because we've already had hints from Seabold and from Inglis himself that he's potentially missing round one. Uh, a couple South supporters around the traps have said, you know, maybe he misses the first two or three rounds even. So I think they, even if he's named round one, it's a little bit concerning that they're still trying to manage his knee injury. And looking at his stats as well, I didn't look at his stats when I was first pretty excited about him. I just had the whole, uh, you know, GIIs for having him in my centre wing, thinking he was fantastic. But in 2016, he, you know, he played 20 games and he averaged 60. And that's not really that good um, for the money that you're paying. He's only just getting into 60, and I'm a bit worried that that might happen again. He did 65 and 64 the years before, which is nice, but at his age and if he's struggling with that knee a little bit, I don't think that I want to get him if he's going to be a you know, mid to late 50s type of average to start off the season. I think that that might be a bit of a, a loss elsewhere if I'm spending that sort of money on him. Yeah, I agree. I think the only reason I would get him if, would be as if, if he dropped in dropped in value, what's his name? Got injured at the back, and he rotated back to sort of fullback for a few games just before the just before the first buy. And um, actually, is he still playing Origin or is he done? I can't remember. Um, Gi has not retired from Origin, so he's still going. Yeah, no, no, interesting. Yeah, and I mean the one of the things that the Rabbits do do, which um, with Origin, it kind of stuffs him around anyway. But they do play round thirteen which is nice. They don't have their buy until round 17. So that is a bonus for the Bunnies as well. Yeah, so GI I think is a no-go. I wouldn't really wouldn't really think it's terrible if somebody wanted to take a shot on him if he's named round one, especially with the first um, four weeks. So I don't mind that draw, but yeah, he's not going to be for me and, and I wouldn't be doing it myself. So let's move on. Let's go for another gun. My new mate Angus, who's coming over to my Roosters next year. How are you feeling about Angus, Billy? I know you're a big fan. <laughs> First one of the team, mate. Now you're talking my language. Of um, Sorry, I might have been a bit captain monotone the first couple of players, but you're getting me a bit excited now. <laughs> yeah, Angus, mate, I really really like him. He's um absolute war horse. There's not many people. He kind of reminds me of, and, and don't laugh, but he kind of reminds me of um Paul Carter, the bloke who just couldn't, couldn't keep his head on straight. He just... He plays right edge, but just absolutely all over the park, tackling his ass off. Except this bloke here just um, doesn't throw away stupid penalties and doesn't doesn't miss some um, tackles because he's just going hard at too many. You just look at his stats. Missed um, the first six games of the year. Obviously, came off the bench or played limited minutes, and then from round six, he just went berserk. Just started playing 70, 70, 71, 76, 77, and then eighty minutes for the rest of the season. So from round seven onwards, he averaged seventy eight point eight, and he's currently priced at. 69 average. I know he had a lot of tries last year. So when he went to 80 minutes, his fourth game had a try. His seventh game had a try. Ninth, tenth. Then he had that treble. But then he didn't have a try at all for the last five games. Had a couple of try assists. So he's only had two try assists and sort of did have sort of six, seven tries in there. But a bloke like that is scoring him. He's scoring him for a reason, mate. The guy has an absolute weapon. They go looking for him. Mm. Um, if he keeps it up and gets his 80 minutes on the edge, or at least sort of, you know, 75 minutes on the edge, getting you're buying him at a 69 average, and his stats say he's pumping out a 79. So um, 
for a bloke that has that type of draw and scored 166 last year in one game, consistently scores above or around 80. Yeah, um, I'll take that. And the fact that no one else wants him, yeah, I'll, I'll um, take him twice as fast. I can see a few people putting him in late, actually. I don't think he'll be that low, that lower owned. But um, yeah, I think that you're right. The price will scare a few away. 609000 He's going to be $40,000 more almost than what Sergis will be, which is crazy. Forty grand more. If you had to pick between them, I mean, you could have Sergis and forty grand, or Angus. Which way would you go? I picked Angus first, mate. Wow. He was the first person I picked in my team. Huge raps from Billy. Well, I will be the yin to your yang and talk about why he's not going to be in my side for round one for something a bit different. So... I love controversy. <laughs> well, I've I've got a confession to make, and those close to me or those that look from afar and like to laugh will know this, but last year I did not get on Angus, and it wasn't from not wanting him. Um, initially, he sort of started to jump up a little bit and have some relevancy, but I looked at that as small sample size. I wasn't sure that he could keep it up. He had those that try and I think round four it was and then sort of started to look good in the attack and I just couldn't do it. And then I really wanted to do it as much as people didn't believe me. I really wanted Angus in my team, but he just got so expensive so quickly and last year was one of those years where I had an injury, two or three injuries a week a few times and then other times uh, rookie price guys that were going to explode. So... I just never managed to get him, and then I was then I was basically running on empty on the trade front, and I just couldn't do it. So, one of my big regrets, yeah, I obviously. Something too. Yeah. That um that treble that treble that he scored was against the Gold Coast too. So right edge. So just goes to show how bad that that Gold Coast right edge is. It's just not it's just not the uh, one and two in. It's all three in, mate. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh look, the, I said the Warriors. I'll be loading up or uh, loading up on any time anyone's playing the Warriors. I'll be loading up anyone who's playing the Titans as well. Those are the two sides who um, I think are going to be the sides that you want to be playing along with the Tigers. But um, back to Angus, though, for me, he's, he's priced at a 69 average. I, I'm sure that he'll average 60s, so he's a pretty safe bet. I guess the reason I'm leaving him out myself is not because I don't think he's any good. It's because his price is really tricky for me to fit in other second-row forwards who I think are underpriced. So basically, when it comes down to it, I I have picked, you know, a Sergis ahead of Angus. I have picked a um, Nathan Brown ahead of Angus, and it's not because I don't like Angus. It's because those guys um, afford me forty, fifty grand extra to to spend, and I just couldn't work it where I could get Angus in, and I was happy with my side. So uh, anyone who wants to start with Angus, go for it. I don't see a lot of downside really. Maybe he goes to more of a sixty-five average instead of a sixty-nine. Maybe he goes to early seventies, like you said, Billy. But he is a gun. He's um, a genuine uh, attacking threat for them on that side as well. I guess... That... I saw something interesting, too, yeah. just quickly to interrupt you, dude. So, for anyone who thinks he's just an attacking weapon, his highest base score for the year was 71 versus the Storm. 42 tackles, 30 points in hit-ups. That's not a bad work rate, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so even against the big guns, he chucks in. Yeah, look, he, he always seems busy, and that's what you want to see with your supercoach players and in real life as well. Um, I guess the only thing I'll, I'll, question, I'll put as a question to you, as a bit of a variable, I'm obviously excited as a Roosters fan that he's coming across after this season, 
do you think that's going to impact anything? Like, do you think with him mentally it's going to impact anything or how he's going about things? Or with Seabold, you know, because I don't think that Souths are going to make the eight. Do you see them maybe reducing his minutes, you know, mid-season to give, say, more minutes to a Cam Murray who might start at 60 minutes or something? It's a pretty good point, actually. But no, I don't think so. Um, look, it's not... He's not exactly Jonathan Thurston, but if JT said he was going to, you know, the Bulldogs next year, do you think the Cowboys would give him reduced minutes or drop him? I know that's an extreme example, but you don't drop one of your best attacking weapons, especially when you're a guy like Seabold, who's his first year, his first year in the first grade and he wants to make an impression. I reckon the only way he drops his minutes down is if it's, you know, three quarters of the way through the season and, and they're done. And that's when he says, well, thanks for your time here. We can't make the semis. I'll uh, start to give some of the other, the other blokes a, a bit of a go and blood them through. But until until he loses sight of that top eight or top four, I can't see Seabold doing anything um, silly enough as a drop-in, mate. Yep. All fair points, Billy. Um, I think we'll move on then. We'll, we both agree he's a great buy and... Barnsley will miss out on Angus again this year and probably have egg on his face again, but that's all right. I'm used to it by now. Did it all last year. So let's talk about someone else in the pack then. Let's um, have a look at a, a mid-range potential potential cashy even at the price. Shot him before Cam Murray. Is he in your starting second row at the moment? <laughs> yep. He was uh, not... I think there are about five people that I picked without even looking at stats. The first five I picked were um, Murray, Crichton, Smith, Munster. Yeah, they were the first four without even looking at stats. Just from looking at the draw and looking at their their, their value, um, I just think they're all unders. The first, I mean, it, every, everyone knows the Murray stats, mate. All he needs is the minutes. If he gets, if he just gets that starting spot, I won't say he'll be in everyone's team, but just looking at the four games he was there. So rounds um, 23, 24, 25 and 26. Played 69 minutes, 80 minutes, 80 minutes, and 69 minutes for an average of 67. It's priced at 44. So even if he doesn't get 80 and then he comes back to 60 minutes, yeah, surely the, the, the PPM in there was 0. 0.90. So 60 minutes, 0.9. Surely you're looking at least a 55 average. You're not going to get a starting 13 play anything less than 60 minutes. So he's priced at 44. He's 10 points under at least times what a magic number. Yeah, even if you wanted to choose him as a cashy, he's 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 an he's an underpriced cash maker. But for me, um, if he just gets 60 minutes, uh, hopefully 65, he won't be leaving my team at all for the whole season. Yep. So he's another one that I'm going to partially disagree with you, only because I don't have him in my side. But oh, I agree with you on all the points that you made. <laughs> so I think he's a good buy at an average score of 44 last year in his 51 minutes. He's only got upside from there, so. You're going to get more than what you pay for, and that's what you want to do in Supercoach. I actually don't think he's going to get 80 minutes off the bat. Um, I could be wrong, though. I could see it going that way, but I think it's going to be more around the 60 mark. Nine minutes extra a game. You know, he's worst-case scenario, I think he might be looking at a 52 average. Which yeah. It is, looks like he's about 40, 40 tackles a game. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, I mean, his work rate's good, and that's what he's going to be there for. He's going to get through a lot of tackles, and he's going to have good work rate. I don't, think, I don't know if there's going to be much attack there, but he probably doesn't need it. But yeah, I, I could see him going to that early 50s average, which is good, but not phenomenal. I think you really want him to get to that 55. But, you know, that could happen. I guess for me, I see him as a good buy, and anyone who's got him, I think it's a good move. The only reason I don't is because there's some potential cheaper guys who I think can go up by more than that and 
are also around that 300 mark or so and are going to be owned by far less people. So Yeah, fair enough. You yeah. Did, you did in one, it is a small sample size and in that um in the, of those four games, one of the scores was a ninety eight and he did score a try versus the Warriors, ironically. So if you take that out, his average goes back to a fifty six. So if you and that, so that's off seventy minutes, eighty minutes, seventy minutes. So if he goes back to a sixty or a sixty five minutes, then yeah, might be bang on. He might only average fifty minutes, fifty five at the most. Still a little bit of upside to him, but like you're saying, if you want more value for money, there's definitely more cheaper blokes out there that can do more. Just, just a matter of picking the right one, I suppose. Yeah, and that's the thing with the back row too. If you can nail like a guy that's three hundred, and instead of a Cam Murray, you have a Trent Merrin or something, one of those guys around five hundred to five twenty-five. To me, that's an upgrade and more upside as well. And you know, I think that your side can look a lot better if you can manage to nail that. The trick is obviously to nail that. I might pick a guy that's three hundred k, like. Uh, Ignatius Parsi, if he gets a starting second row spot. Fatala Mariner is another one of my favourites if he's got that um, edge role for the Bulldogs for big minutes. Those guys are around 300 to 310. If I nail one of those and spend that money elsewhere on upgrading Cam Murray to a gun, then that works really well. But if I miss those guys, all those Cam Murray owners hit, then I'm going to be behind the eight ball. So I could see it going either way, really, at this point. He's a good buy. I think everybody agrees on that. It's just a matter of whether you can fit him in your second row. I will leave us with one point, Billy, that I'll put to you. At the moment, it looks like Cook's going to be the starting hooker and it is edging towards there being no Robbie Farrell on the bench potentially. If that happens and there's four forwards on the bench, that's the other worry for me with Murray. Like I said before with Sergis, I think they have to play Sergis. They, they can't afford not to. So he's staying on. Angus is obviously better than Murray as well. He's staying on. And then it kind of muddies the waters a little bit when, you know, you have to fit a John Sutton off the bench into the the back row somewhere and some other middle forwards to come on as well. I'm not sure whether that's going to affect Cam or not, but it'll depend on the makeup of the bench, obviously. Yeah, I thought about that, and it it did make me sort of feel a little bit ill having four rabbits in the side. But when you... you, The whole point of Supercoach is to, like I said before, to score more than what you pay for and regardless of these guys maybe getting less minutes than what we think they'll get they're going to score more than what they pay for than what you pay for so for that reason I'm just sticking with them like Angus will get 80 quick, quick um so yeah Angus will get 80 minimum of 70 um Cook if, if he's no, no bench will go he gets 80 if Murray gets 55 60 minutes not 80 I'm happy with that and then Sam Burgess is Burgess. I don't give a crap if he gets 60 minutes. It's still Burgess. I'll take his points on offer for his average and his, and his dual, the fact that he covers the buy as well. So, yeah, four over four doesn't worry me. Yep, sounds good. So let's move on to the back line now. Uh, I'm going to go for my big balls pod call, and that is going to be Cody Walker. And I'm going to say that a lot of uh, really good super coaches. A couple of years ago, we were all over Cody Walker, and I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't agree with him. I just would not get him in, and it really, really, really shitted me because I just watch him score these amazing scores every game, and it just killed me. And then um, I think I lost a couple of head-to-head semifinals because of him, and last year I got him in, and really, he really stunk it up for most of the time that I had him. It really wasn't fun owning him. He had a 60 average last season. Uh, down from a 67 average the year before. Watching him last year try and catch bombs at fullback, I think I'd rather walk through glass. And it was just bad. And, you know, he made so many errors and stuff. His, his average came down by more than 10%. But having said that, 
he showed that he's really got the ability to attack. Reynolds is always hurt as well. Um, if Inglis isn't there either to start the season, you know, there's potential for, for him to lean on Cody. And like I said, that draw, you know, you, you could do worse than a New Zealand Penrith Manly Dogs to start off with as well. So he's not in my side, but, you know... It could be a really astute move because I don't think many people are going to have him at all, and he's shown that he can really no, put up the that. points. So, what do you think yeah. about Mister Walker? Uh, not much. I um, first few games last year, two try assists, two try assists, and a try, two try assists. So he re- he really kicked it off, you know, on fire last season. But he did start with the Tigers, Manly Knights, and then your Roosters, and I don't think they were in the greatest of form from memory, were they? Not at the start of the year, no. And yeah, he really tailed off after that, mate. If you could keep reading all those um, all those scores out for the whole year, I'd be a much happier man about my rank last season. Yeah, so those first four games, then he had so that it was averaging eighty four up until that point, then dropped it. Scored a sixty versus North Queensland, then one hundred and six versus Penrith, and then all of a sudden, guess what? He started. Uh, he played. played uh, what well, wasn't just the quality of the opposition. He did. He just started dying off after that. He had a ton versus the Tigers again, but yeah. Then he had a seventy-four versus Gold Coast. So uh, he started playing in you know, Broncos, Para, um, Melbourne. Yeah, he just started falling away against some quality teams, mate. Towards the end, towards the end of the year, he, picked, he had a big score again versus uh, surprise, surprise Warriors. Then um, St George, sixty versus the Dogs. Then, yeah, the last couple of games of the year, Melbourne scored 30, Eels scored 40. Um, no, he just not. So it depends on the draw. And I think you said before he does have a good draw. So, look, he's probably an option if they have, like, a really good draw to start the season and you're pretty excited about it. But I'd be inclined to sort of ride the wave as a plot and sell him as soon as, um, as, soon as the danger, danger starts to appear with the, uh, the you know, tough run. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, but... It always scares me when guys um, when guys have those pods that can just explode. You could get off to a really good start if you've if you got the balls to start off with Cody Walker with that that run. But yeah, he's not for me either. I think he's a dual fullback five eight as well from memory. So fullback. I think many will have him, mate. Purely yeah. because of the fact that how many, how many cheapies or underpriced guys are available in the halves. Yeah, first yeah. and Croker to start with bigger. Yeah, I think there'll be better pods that you can probably take a punt with than um, than Cody. So what's in pot? Blah blah. Ah, uh, there's a lot that are probably going to be better than 528k on Walker. But like I said, he's one of those ones that always leaves egg on my face. So I'm just asking for it. So I'm looking forward to it again. Um, <laughs> let's have a quick look at cows and errors potentially so really really quickly there looks like there's going to be a couple of rookie or close to rookie cows probably whoever gets that wing spot um, either Campbell or Kenner either one of them I think are going to be a, a good buy they're low priced they're going to score some tries there so they're not going to be too bad to throw in there and then the the error guys that I have there I don't think many are going to go for these guys so it's not really a common error for this year I don't think but Anybody named Burgess that is not with the first name Sam is going to be a massive, massive error. And over the years, the last three years especially, a lot of people have jumped on and off the George bandwagon. And he's really cheap again. And, you know, you've got all the preseason talk there where, you know, they're going great, they're training the house down, they're having a good preseason, and, you know, they know this is their last chance. And, and all the good talk, I don't see it materialising, so... Nobody, nobody, nobody. Jump on any bird, just not name Sam. Would be my advice with those guys. 
my advice would even be call me crazy, but the the Campbell and the Canterbucks that you talked about. Yep. Mate, even if they were two hundred fifty k, I wouldn't buy them. Yeah. Their floor, I would. I would. Their floor is that low. They need to score a double for their points. Even as cashies, mate, I don't think they will accrue enough um, cash quick enough. I would much rather buy a Nuffy like Lomax and or and well, hope the, and hope the Chrysler turns up round two or three. It's a waste of seventy k in my opinion. I would much rather upgrade JT to Cleary or something like that as as a pod than get JT and carry someone like that who's got absolutely zero upside apart from maybe sitting on your pine and uh, guzzling up that extra 70k and maybe making cash too slowly. Yeah, I agree with you, but devil's advocate, I guess, if there's no centre wing cows named and we have a real big cows shortage, which has happened in the past, then you've got to find some money somewhere. And Oh yeah, I agree, agree. but if, if there was a shortage of 364k price cows, then yeah, it You'd consider him and you'd just chuck him there. But if you're only one short, I would I would throw enough in there and get him. That's yep. my opinion. Yep, fair enough. I would probably do the same with the one nuff when it, if I had to look at getting two nuffs or three nuffs, I would uh, be trying to make the room for one of these guys. But definitely wouldn't start with you if there's um some good low priced rookie price guys that are starting around one and hopefully there will be two or three of them in the centre wing so we don't have to don't have to spend the extra seventy grand. So there's South in a nutshell. I don't think that they're going to have a great season. I haven't talked about guys like Adam Reynolds because I only expect him to play three games like he normally does. And I think everybody knows that Cook's pretty much a given as a hooker option if he's getting the 80 minutes. So I think we need well, to... Yeah, I punched him up just quickly. I punched him up before. Yeah. The... What is it? One, two, three, four, five, six. The... Um, the six... Everyone knows the six games that he played over 60 minutes, he averaged 63 at the end of the year. But I just took the, um, because of that, they don't play the Storm for a while. I took the Storm game out where he scored 35. Yep. Goes up to 60, goes up, so goes up to 69. So in 70 minutes last year, averaged 69 with burst. So if he goes up to 80 minutes, yeah, look out. I'd let you score one try in that, one try in that time too. So. Yeah, I reckon he's a lot better than what people think he is. Yeah, we might have to edit those stats out of this podcast, Billy. (laughs) 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 Then we'll get too many people on him. I actually think that he's the second best hooker in the game. I'll make that big statement. He will be the second best hooker in the game in 2018 behind Cam Smith if he's getting 80 minutes. I thought you were going to say luck. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I couldn't go past the great Cam Smith, obviously, but I um, I do think that Cook could push, so... Uh, for me, for someone without Cam Smith, at the moment I'm starting with Cook and no Cam Smith, and I'm quite happy about it. I can see Cook being not too far below and like, what is he, 300 and something thousand dollars less. Yeah. It's just a... I know what you're saying. It's just a no-brainer. I was talking to someone last night about this. Yeah, I was talking to Danny about this. The the only thing you need to be, not be concerned about but think about there is the um, the Farrah experiment. So worst case scenario... What happens if uh, Cook goes back to 50 minutes? You're stuck with him and what, Havili or someone are scoring 40, 45 points while someone with Smith or Friend or whatever potentially puts 20, 25 points a week on you. So I've thought about that. Thought about that, Billy. And I'll tell you what yep. the backup plan is. It's a real good one. I've done this many times. It's called the Barnsley Special. When you stuff up on a player that you pick that is going to make money anyway, you just take your 150 grand that you made and you're just happy that you got the cash and you just get out of that as quickly as you can. And I reckon that 
it's going to be a case of, I don't see Cook getting an 80-minute job and Robbie Farrow being in reserve grade round one and that changing round two or round three. I think the worst-case scenario, maybe you know after round six, the first month and a bit of games or something, maybe then they look at yeah. changing things up. But surely the first six weeks... It's Cook's job, and by then, you know, after week seven or something, you can trade the guy and you can make a heap of coin. You can probably make better than what you will on most rookies. So, um, I, I think that that'll be fine. Like, I mean, if you can spend an extra hundred k and upgrade Cook to a Cam Smith six seven weeks into the season, that's not too bad. And that first month lends itself to that as well. That's a really good theory. I tried that last year with uh, Pritchard and Bradley. Crucified me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to do it at the right time, right? <laughs> it's a little bit different, mate. But good luck. It's all about timing. So we'll move on here. That's it with South. I don't think South are going to go too well this year. They're not in uh, my top eight anyway. So now we're going to move on, and yeah, we're going to move on to the Raiders now. One of the teams that I'm actually pretty excited about. Uh, I think everybody that's in the Super Coach knows that the Raiders draw is pretty strong. They've got a, a really good opening draw, so. I myself am pretty excited to stack some of these guys in there. Having a look at their team for 2018 with their gains and losses, there hasn't been too many changes. Even though he's not a loss, Josh Hodgson is obviously out for the majority of the season, so that's a big one. But other than that, their gains to purchase. They've got Abby from the Bulldogs, who I don't think is going to get much time, but has been touted for a while. Obviously, Garvey... And our other hooker, Havili, have come over, and those guys are going to fight for that job. So they're going to be significant in one way or another. Um, and then everybody else is pretty much reserve graders, really. Sam Williams will probably crack the 17 as a reserve utility at this point. He's come over from Wakefield. Um, other than that, they lost their backup hooker in Kurt Baptiste, but that was probably fine. Uh, Lachlan Croker will be a starting half at Manly, but it was largely insignificant for the Raiders. And then pretty much everybody else are guys that just aren't any good, and particularly guys like Dave Taylor. When you see Dave Taylor on that list, you you know you don't have to really talk about losses. So then looking at their team, I think that the guy that I want to start with is one of the best players in the game of late, uh, Jordan Rapana. He was one of my first players picked, despite being massively, massively expensive. He's another guy that I always couldn't get at the right time last year. As much as I tried and planned to buy him, he was just too expensive or I copped a heap of injuries, something happened and I just never got to own him and I was really disappointed. So I'm just starting with him round one and locking him in and I'm just not going to leave him. I'm just going to have him for the whole season. So have you got Jordan Rapana in your team, Billy? Yes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think he's, he's, uh, it's pretty hard to say a guy's a must when he's 630k and plays in the centre wing, and he's actually a winger. But, geez, I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't see anyone... He's going back and forth at the moment with uh, who you get with um, uh, Hodgson out and what's his face, Hog... Who, who's the Hog? Austin. Austin. Sides. Oh, I don't know. But I, I, just, I just look at the numbers and go, all right, so he's playing the Titans first. He's on the right side. You know he's going to score big there. And last year he did. That's where he scored his 170. So he's a VCLC option straight off the bat. And he... He, you mentioned he's got a good draw, so he scored six had six scores over over a hundred last year. And versus his first six teams that he's playing this year, he averaged eighty last year. And he's priced at seventy. So yep. if you look at his draw only and his potential loophole or captaincy material, he's 
you might be paying 600k for him, but you might be paying 750, 800 if you want him round. <laughs> that's probably when you want to sell him, or or just or just um, sell him and sell him and take off with a with a high BE, buy him back later, or just uh, take the points and run and hopefully and just hope he doesn't have one of those 25, 30 point games, which you know is going to come sooner or later, but. Hopefully not until the tail end of the season when no one else can afford him. Oh, mate, I'm just locking him in. I'm not going to be trading him out. I tell you what, looking at the draw, it's almost like the NRL strategically put together this draw. So any time Jordan Rapana was starting to drop in value, he was going to have a 150-point game because that's that's always how the draw looks, I'm telling you. like He starts off with the Gold Coast. Round three, he's got the Warriors. And then he kind of has you know a few games where we, maybe we don't know what's going to happen with... You know, a manly, a dogs, and then he hits South in round seven. Then he hits a tough game against the Cowboys up there, but then he hits the Titans again in round nine. He plays the Titans twice in the first nine rounds, and then. Mate, honestly, I reckon Uncle Nick looked at this draw after <laughs> and said, "I'm going to get someone to do a Tonya Harding on Hodgson, mate." <laughs> he thought he already bought the premiership till he saw this round of this draw. Oh, look, it's it's a fantastic start, and they don't they don't play the Storm at all in that, you know, first half of the season. Um, they don't, in fact, play the Storm until round nine, uh, 20. And they don't, they don't play the Roosters until after that. Um, so, I mean, their draw is phenomenal. And even if you... If you the, my worry is of selling him. If I sold him for that round 13 buy and didn't just hold him, you know, he hits Penrith, but then more importantly, the West Tigers in round 15. And, you know, like, he's, he could put up the highest Supercoach score of the year against the Tigers in yeah. round 15. yeah. But- Maybe you just haul him, and then when he plays a storm, just bench him. He averages 30, 30 against them, so just put him put him down. Just let him have a rest. He'll come good again. Yeah. So just quickly, the the numbers that you touched on: seventy one points per game in two thousand and seventeen, twenty sixteen. He still scored sixty five. Um, so it's not like you know it's a it's a one hit wonder. I don't really see it as a career season. He was close enough to it in twenty sixteen, and has been a gun for two full seasons now. The other thing with the low scores before that, he wasn't really playing in the same side. He wasn't playing the same type of role. And really, I think he was learning his football, watching the games and stuff. He's just hit 28 years old now. Um, I think he's in his prime. And the whole Hodgson thing, I actually think that that might help him. And that might sound weird because a lot of astute judges question whether Hodgson being out is going to limit their attack more. Look, it's firstly, Hodgson was the type of hooker that went to the Robbie Farrah school of hooking, which was, I'm going to try and get mine first, and then if I can't, I'm going to throw it off to the half with no room, and he can see what he can do with it and see if he can even get it to his centre. So I, I'm like, so I'm happy that Hodgson's not there to stifle the play and to overcall things, because that's what he does, um, and he runs the ball a lot as well. And I think that these guys that are fighting for this job, Garvey and Havili, they're going to be trying to give really good service and give it to their halves on either side and to go with the right calls and stuff. So I actually think it might it might help with Hodgson being out. But the second and last point I'll make with that, Rapana isn't the sort of guy who has to have the ball go to him. He's not the sort of winger who even waits for it. And I remember really, really distinctly last year, I think it might have been against your Eels, but I could be wrong, about halfway through the season, no, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been. Wouldn't I? Oh, wouldn't have been the Eels. No, the the ruck defence is too good. Having said that, I'm positive it was them. <laughs> and I was chatting to a few of you guys on one uh, online, and I remember us having this exact conversation. Then all of a sudden, Rapana t- runs up, pushes the hooker out of the way, picks the ball up with one hand, and just goes straight through the back of the ruck, right in the middle, and just goes straight through, sidesteps the fullback, runs 50 metres, and scores a try. 
And when a guy can do that sort of stuff, you know, it's just scoring a try from dummy half as a winger from 60 metres out, you know, he doesn't need the ball to go to him. And if... Ah. Fooey fooey, you probably just threw a shoe, mate. You put that back <laughs> well, you know, the other thing too is that um, BJ Leilua wasn't very consistent last year, yet Rapana still managed to score well when he wasn't. So it wasn't like that BJ was chucking him every single pass that he was scoring off and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of stats that show that, um, that BJ, if BJ doesn't go off, Rapana can still very well hit 70s pretty easily. So, and that's because yeah. he goes and looks for the ball and he takes those sort of hit ups. And he's just a tackle break machine. So he's, he's right in for me. I've got, he's the first back, I would even say, first back that I've picked in my team and he's not moving. I think he's completely worth the money. If people are going to spend, you know, close to 700 grand or whatever Cam Smith is, and, you know, same for Gallon and stuff like that, you know, Rapana's in that category for me, except he's a lot more consistent than some of the other center wing options as well. Yep. 100% Utah. All right, let's move on then. Jordan Rapana, everyone listening, just go buy him. Move your team around, make it happen. <laughs> everyone stay off. So let's talk about some uh, kind of half-fallen guns here. And we're going to go for the center combo of uh, BJ Leilua and Jared Croker. Croker is, has proven quite popular this year as a bit of a resurgence pick. And obviously with the, the draw and him kicking goals, I can see why. Whereas uh, BJ Leilua tore people's hearts out last year after a career season the year before, and nobody wants to touch him, and I can understand that as well. Do you see either or both of these guys having bounce back years and beating last season's form? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I picked Croker up a couple of years ago. I looked at his form and realised that his try count was down by half what it was a year before, and his conversion. Sorry, attempted conversion was, was down here before, so I kind of took a prompt that he would pick that up, and he did, and I had a really good start to the season, and then do it as usual. But <laughs> the um, last, last year, he didn't do so well, but if you look at his scores, he, he just seemed to have as a... And, and he just seems, and if he goes over the line, he just doesn't seem to do anything, and like my good mate Adam says, he said, they just can't respect a winger who wears headgear. So. <laughs> <laughs> like... Look, mate, he's got, he had one, two, three, four, five, yeah, five, five green scores last year, 82, 86, 98, 115, 110. But yep. It just flaws all over the place, and that, that's even the kicking goals. Um, I think, look, I think with the easy draw, he can definitely bounce back, like uh, a couple of the blokes, you know, say, I mean, he is a centre three quarter, you, you've got to expect fluctuation, he's not going to score 60 points a week, so don't go out thinking that he will. But for a bloke with his ability to go large, he's the, he's not in my team, but he's one of the blokes that kind of scares me. Thinking, I really hope he doesn't go one twenty one thirty versus you know, knights or, or knights or titans or warriors, and then just put me behind. But at the moment, he's, he's a no go zone for me. But I can see why lots of people are interested. Yeah. Oh, look, he's he's very intriguing. Four hundred ninety thousand. He's the cheapest that he's been for five years. His average in 2017 was only 55 points. Before that, he had a career year at 72 and then 61 and 60. So he was always around a 60 guy, and he's he's been pretty much a perennial gun or on the cusp of for most of the time. His form last year did scare me a little bit, and you speak about our mate Adam with the headgear call. The other thing that comes up with him wearing that headgear is the fact that his work rate 
is absolute mud. He is not a good worker at all. His hit-ups, he's got to make the least amount of metres out of any back-taking hit-up in the whole NRL. He doesn't make any metres at all. He gets manhandled, and he has just not put in many runs a game for a long time. So that worries me a little bit, that his base... What's the bloody head gear for, then? I don't know. I think it's for when guys run at him and he's got to make tackles, which he still doesn't do enough of, but... Who knows? But <laughs> the he's not the chemist. He doesn't tackle with his jaw. No, well, I mean that's one thing that's actually gotten worse in his game too. His defense has probably gotten worse too. So I mean, I'm, I'm pretty critical of him in real life, to be honest. I think he's pretty overrated. But for fantasy, yeah, he he does worry me that he can rattle off a few hundreds in a row just because of his kicking. But like I said before, with my standout game in my head from last year of Rapana, one of the standout games from Jared Croker was I had a couple of crucial head-to-heads where people captained him, and he was playing a team that wasn't very good, and I can't recall exactly who it was, but he scored something like 28 points, and his team towed him up. And, you know, 28 points, kicking like five goals. You know, so he's got such a bad floor, and it just it really worries me, and particularly when he's dropped to an all-time low in 2017. You know, maybe he... I, I can definitely see him getting back to a 60 average, or, or even maybe he beats that and he you know, goes closer to a 65. But the problem with that for me, Billy, is as someone who's in many, many head-to-head leagues, but I also play overall, I really don't like guys who will average 65, but to get that, they're going to score 150 points and then give me three 38-point games in a row and then score 120 points. That, that really yeah. kills me. I don't like the <clears throat> inconsistency. Yeah, I know. Just a bit base, 23, 27, 29, 18. So Taz does seem to have a base around 25 for half the season, but then you go towards the end, 15, 15, 12, 17, 7. The headgear must have been busted. Must have moved to the wing. <laughs> Mate, that's, it's, he's just... I understand people doing it, and it's it's not really that much of a gamble. I think it, it could very easily pay off with their draw. I'm not going to do it either. I'm the same as you. I'm leaving him out. And Look, he had one 24-minute game. Give him a break. Uh, I'll, I'll give him a break when he starts taking hit-ups over three metres. Now, let's uh, move on from him and look at the other centre. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of people at home laughing at me because I've just said I'm not going to take Jared Croker, but I'm going to tell you that I... Currently have BJ Lelua in my team. And I'm going to explain it first to you, Billy, before you rip me, and then you can rip me to shreds. Please do. Enlighten me. <laughs> I'm going to enlighten you. And don't, oh. and don't, don't make shit up, because I've got the stats right in front of me. Don't lie. Uh, look, <laughs> oh, I was going to try and lie about a few things, but okay, I'm going to have to be honest now. All right, here's a couple of points when you're looking at both of them. A lot of people are going to be on Croker compared to BJ Lelua. BJ Lelua is going to be... Very, very low ownership. He burnt everybody last year. But there was some games in the back half of the season where I sort of watching thought that he was getting back to what he was doing before, where his work rate was up and stuff. Um, I think that he was a bit bit unfit and injured. I think pretty sure Ricky Stewart came out and said he was carrying a few injuries at different times that he was playing through and stuff as well. And that was why he was a bit lazier maybe as well. But look, purely... A couple of really simple reasons. One, he is $80,000 or less than what Jared Croker is. That's a big one for me with that cost. I think he's got um, the upside to make a bit more money. And the other thing as well is in 2016, he scored 72 and he dropped down to 47. 
I kind of discount the 14 and 15 seasons a little bit. The 15 especially because he was at Newcastle and not wanting to play for them and unfit and basically trying to eat his way out of that town. And, you know, the year before as well, he wasn't playing his best football. I think he's kind of got a style at the Raiders that suits him. And he does have Jordan Rapana outside him. So it means even when he's bad, if they're going Rapana's way and Rapana's getting a hat trick, you know, Rapana might find his way to the try line for one of those tries. But BJ's getting a last touch on at least a couple of them. And I think that Rapana's going to get a big season start at the beginning of this year. BJ's also a guy who's a lot of value of his relies on his tackle breaks and his offloads. And the Gold Coast Titans and New Zealand Warriors, and I'm pretty sure Manly and even Para allow a reasonable amount of offloads. And that's, you know, all their starting teams, aside from Newcastle, I've left out because they're a little bit different this year. But, yeah, with that draw, I can see him offloading a lot like he, like he used to and taking a lot of runs and getting a few try assists or at least last touches to a partner. So I'm just taking a complete yeah, punt. I, look, mate, I'm just taking a complete punt that, you know, either one of these guys could go really well for this run out of Croker and BJ, but BJ's sitting there at 80k less, and I liked some of what I saw towards the back end of last year. So I'm just taking a punt that I'm going to use that 80k somewhere else, and BJ's probably going to be owned by 2.8% of coaches, whereas Croker's going to be owned by, what do you reckon, 15 20%? I haven't looked yet, but... I reckon you probably like the back end of him because his ass was shaped like a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> games without a try, he averaged 36, and that was most of the season. That it, but that included games where he had a try assist or a last, last touch to Rapana. So he needs to really step up his... Let's have a look. Well, he only had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, for a centre, seven, seven line breaks last year. Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, I'm reading very quickly, but eight-ish sort of line break assists. His hit-ups, yeah, yeah. Um, TVs, TVs were there. It's not like they weren't. Probably you know, ten point zero six eight six twelve. So he didn't get mental. I suppose he's not really a Rapana. But yeah, his tack doesn't. I know he's a centre, but not much tackling. Not not as many hit-ups towards the end of the year as, as what he did the previous year. I think he just needs to get his offloads and his, and his TB counter, even if he just uses that, that silly little fend, you know, just... The crab across field fend that Fafita uh, does. Yeah, yeah, just just palm a couple of blokes off, make one metre, and then get seven or eight points for it, and then take another hit-up sort of, you know, 30 seconds later, offload the Rapana, put him through a gap, you know, just score. <laughs> he, he just needs to do that, score 22, 23 points in the space of three minutes, and then do that. Twice a game at your 30 base and there's your 72 points. But I think you'd kind of be happy with just 55, 60, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yep. I, I would be happy with 55, 60 because, I mean, he's... I'm not, I'm not going to expect him to score 72 again. I think that was a career year and that's fine. But look, 47 gives you a lot of room to grow. And I think that 55 is achievable. And that's eight points better than what he was. So, I mean... Like I said, his price at that average, I find that pretty appealing for what I kind of see as a bit of a crapshoot between him and Croker. So yeah, the only yeah, the only thing I'm going to say is don't when you when you your teams together, guys. Just think of it like it's the end of last year. I mean, if this was round 25 or 26, would you would you put, would you put the BJ in your team? Yes or no? Don't think for one minute that things are going to change all of a sudden over four months. I mean, yes, 
if I mean if they're changing teams or changing position or got a new coach, then that can sometimes make a difference. Confidence is a big high rolling type thing. But yeah, easy draws make a massive difference. But I would be careful just picking a guy just because he's a four-line gun and he can go back to a 72 average. I don't think Vigo's really got it in him. I do think he has a lot of upside if if he can get there. But I, I just look at look at a lot of these 24, 25, 19, 14. 25, 32 scores and go, Jesus Christ, I just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. And I completely understand it. And that's what I'm kind of banking on as well because I'm hoping that he does. It, it's, you know, you're giving advice to guys at home on how to build their teams, which is really good. And I agree 100% with you. The yeah. the little bit that I'll add, though, is, um, you know, if you said to me, Barnsley, would you put BJ in your team if you didn't have the draw that he has? I would say no. No way. Because I know how he was last year and I just don't want any part of that. But... Well, if he was in my team, I'd double up on the oranges at halftime. <laughs> I, I, I just like the draw that they've got, and I need to have some Raiders in my team for that draw because there's going to be some guys with yeah. big scores, and that's what it comes down to. There's guys in that Raiders side that are going to have some massive scores to kick off the year. So if you want to start yeah. well, and you have to, then you've got to hit on a couple of them. Rapana's probably not enough. I need someone else there. So for me, Rapana and BJ, that's my two guys that I'm hoping are going to Make the most of that. You could even draw. You could even do what do worse than go on. Who, who, I, I, I'm not entertaining him. I'm not. I'm uh, not doing him. However, if you want to go, if Austin is left side and you want Croker kicking a crap load of goals, it wouldn't be a bad move to get someone priced at fifty and with someone like um, Croker maybe getting try assists, last touch, line break assists, and Kotrick going over the line once every second game and Croker converting all repartners. It's funny. It's, it's funny that you're bringing up Kotrick because he's the next one that we're going to talk about because he is my big balls pod for 2018, and I actually quite like him because he is. I uh, think he's a massive big balls pod, but he's definitely a pod. Well, I mean, you're picking a winger after a rookie year, who's the worst winger winger on his team, and he's actually, priced. No, you're right. Priced at 50, it would be big balls. It's a lot of money to spend on someone who quite could quite frankly regress, especially he, if, it, if they go right. Yeah, look, he's he's four hundred and forty k, so he is expensive considering, and it is his sophomore season. He looked really good in his rookie season, though, and I yeah, he did didn't he? Yeah, he really did. They picked, they picked him. They picked him for a reason, mate. He's tall, strong, fast. Yeah, he had um really good size with his hit ups and stuff. He was like the anti croaker. He almost like showed the old dog how to get it done, and some of his hit ups and stuff. It was really good to see. So I actually think that um. He he really ticks the boxes. He's going to be a massive pod. Hardly anybody is going to touch Kotrick. Hardly anybody. And he's got just as much chance to put up some massive scores as a, a, a Croker, a BJ. Probably not as much as a Rapana, but definitely behind Rapana. He could be the, the second best scorer in that first month of the season for the Raiders for super coach points. So... You know, if anyone wants to take a big punt, probably more than any of the other big balls pods that I've spoken about, he's probably one of my favourite ones because of the Raiders draw. I actually really like him, but my 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 balls just aren't big enough, Billy. I just can't get myself to do it. Okay, just having a look. I haven't looked at this till now. So his average was fifty-five the last half of the season. Uh, played Melbourne the last game of the season, so forget that. Take that thing out. Average fifty-nine. Incredible games there 85, 34, 76, 59, 79, 66, 
what, 20, 100, 48, and 19 versus the Knights. Maybe they went right that game too. So, well, he's take the Knights game out where they could have just steamrolled down the right. 63. It's not a, um, not a bad move. Who, who do they play again? The first, first six? So, that, uh, yeah. West, no, no, no. West so Gold Coast. They start, no, they start off with Gold Coast. Then they yep. hit, so it's Gold Coast away, Newcastle at home, New Zealand at yep. home in Canberra, which is going to be a massive point scoring day. Uh, Manly away, Bulldogs at home, and Para at home. So they've got four out of their first six in Canberra. All right, hold on. Averages 54 versus those with that included a 13 versus Manly. I don't know why he scored a 13. You've got to include them all. You can't just say, oh, I'll just take out the 13 score. You've got to include them all. But yeah, but the thing is as well with him, it was his rookie year. So, I mean, if he played Manly, his debut or his second game or something, like it is a bit of a throwaway. And uh, that's... No, it was his, no, it was his eighth game. I've got to, I've got to, you've got to be accurate. You've got to be transparent with the scores. But, yeah, so versus his, versus his first six opposition this year, his average versus those teams last year was a goal coach, 56, New Zealand 43. Manly 13, Bulldogs 40, Newcastle 81, Eels 58, Manly 43, New Zealand 100. So the 100 lifted it up. But if you just do first, so he's got, I think he's got what, Gold Coast, New Zealand, and what was that? Newcastle? Knights, was yep, it? that's the first three, Knights. yep. Yeah. The, so. thing, the, thing, the thing with those stats, though, Billy, just to jump in, like, I think that they're a good guideline, but one of the things that I do do. When, uh, as far as throwing stats to the side a little bit, is if you're looking at a small sample size for someone, like, you know, if Kotrick had played on the wing for the last three years and had, you know, four games against New Zealand, I'd probably, oh, yeah, I'd probably be gun, like, completely gunning for that game to have him because he's averaged 100 points. But it was his rookie year as well. And any rookie, like, I pretty much discount their first games against every club on, as far as the sample size quite a bit because. It's their first year. They're just working their way into the system. They're not that confident. And I think you sort of saw his confidence. But you're right. You do need to look at the stats to a degree for everybody. And those stats that you're talking about, though, I mean, even from what you're looking at, he's still 10% underpriced, even just looking at those stats off his rookie year. Like, he's around a 54. Yeah. Just got to ask yourself, do you want a 10% discount or for a trade? Or Yeah, that's uh, one of those... Uh... You're really going to want to have, if you're going to buy this, but you're going to really want to have it goes large because you don't want to buy in for a 10% price increase. It'd just be stupid. No, no, of course. And look, it's it, that's why it's a it's a big play if you do it. The other thing, too, is. He's got one time last year, so definitely, uh, yeah, steeply running. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I, I can't do it, but I think it would be um, quite a brave move that, you know, if it pays off for you, it's you're probably going to be the one of the three people playing Supercoach that have him, so. Good luck to you if you go how for it. We, how, about we, how about we talk Papali? Oh, you, you're talking my language, Philly. When I said that Rapana was my uh, first pick back, if not my first, then one of my first picks was uh, Papali in the uh, Fords, and he was never leaving my team. I'm pretty pretty gutted that he lost his duel, though. I'm pretty annoyed about that, actually, because I was hoping that he was going to be my starting prop, but... Mate, I am all over Papali. I um, His start last year was absolutely outstanding, and then he was going to be playing Origin, so I couldn't get him. And then, you know, he had his normal Origin, post-Origin downturn in his form. Yeah. And, you know, just missing that first half of the year, I just said to myself, <laughs> I'm never going to do that again. 
and that was before I saw this this draw for 2018. And now with the draw that the Raiders have, mate, I am salivating at having Papali in my back row to start for round one. Oh yeah. Well, I'm a little bit the opposite. I'm in the fetal position because I can't I can't afford him, and <laughs> <laughs> I want him. But you can't have everyone. I've um, I've had this. He's my sacrificial lamb. But if he was in the front row, I probably would have him there in front of Sergis. But yeah, you can't have everyone, dude. And where I'm paying the price is by buying a lot of undervalued guys, pretty much everywhere except for the halves. Halves and obviously I'm paying absolute premium for probably three or four guys that are um, at peak prices. But Papali, yeah, I just I just can't fit him in. Let me let me try and sell him to you a bit, Billy. Sell him all you want just means I have to drop someone I don't want to. Well, let me uh, let me ask you this question though. You know, obviously I can't really say to you, you know, who do you want, Angus or Papali, because you've obviously chosen Angus. But yeah. I mean. That's somebody who is going to be twenty grand more to buy in Angus, where you can take a twenty grand saving and have someone who, over the first I think ten or twelve rounds of last year, you'll need to stat check that for me. But over the first ten or twelve rounds of last year, I'm pretty sure that um, Papali was well above his average of sixty six. I think. He oh was, yeah, he scored scored three tries and and had two try assists in the first eight games. Yeah, he was killing it. So I mean. With his draw, I, I would I would say I, I would back him to beat Angus in that first at least the first two months of the season. I think Papali will be better than Angus. Yeah, but he's got an easy draw. Last year he had um, he started with uh, North North Queensland for a ninety one, then the Sharks, then the Tigers, then the Broncos. Uh, he played some tough teams. Then oh no, okay. Then he went ninety three versus the Titans and fifty seven New Zealand, then Manly. So. And dogs ninety four. So yeah, no, you're right. I don't think easy draw sort of impacts him much. And energy running at that type of defense. I think he's gonna. I think you'll probably have the same type of seventy five, seventy six type average to start the, start the year for the first seven or eight rounds. I um, yeah, I just want to. I just want to buy someone in like Crichton who I think has the ability to score one forty, one fifty. I don't think the party can do that. I would much rather have a guy that I can probably cap, sorry, loophole for that massive score. That's the only reason I went up to name the party. But Pup is definitely uh, someone that you should really, really think about very, very hard. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a guy that as well, we all want to win. I want to win. I want my 50 grand to win Supercoach. But he's also real fun to own. <laughs> like, and that's... That that's that's there as well. I really enjoy watching Papali steamroll three or four defenders and then pop an offload to a flying Rapana to score a try or for him to go through and, I don't. and score a couple of doubles. Mate, he is a lot of fun to own. And that's I know that's not a huge deal when you're looking at numbers and stuff, but I'm I'm really excited for that first couple of months of the season. And I reckon when you said, you know, seventy five points he could he could definitely average. I'm I think that he will average seventy five points for that first two months. And I reckon that'll put him in the top couple of Fords running around the park for that time. So yeah, I'm all over him for that draw. He's got the he's got the dual draw positives for me. Like you said when you were rattling off those numbers, he's a guy who doesn't necessarily score poorly against the, the great teams. And he definitely takes advantage of running at poor edge defences of the poor teams as well. And so the fact that he's he's good anyway to start the year, he was always good in the first ten rounds of this season, he he kills it. And then he's got a great draw on top of that. Like, sign me up all over it. But 
understand you right. want Angus and you've got Angus and I don't, so we'll see who wins at the end of the season on that one for the first half of the year anyway. But we'll uh, quickly... Well, you're 0-3 so far. That's my house. 0-3? Yeah, mate. Oh, I made that up. I didn't really check. I just assumed. <laughs> oh, I've got you one of the last three seasons. I've had, a, I've had a couple of last season and the one before you got me. But... Draft doesn't count, mate. <laughs> Buddy Brownie, I'll give you five players for Cardi. Oh, look, we're not even no. going to not even going to delve into draft. We'll be here for about five hours. But to um to kind of finish off this part two pod with the Raiders, looking at the cheapies as well. I think that the clear cheapie for them that you can go after is whoever's going to be starting hooker at the moment. I've got Havili as my second hooker because it looks like that. He's overtaken Garvey, which I was really surprised about, actually, because I rate Garvey quite a bit, and I thought that he was 100% going to be there instead of Havili to start. And apparently he's had a, he's been sick in the preseason, but he's also trained really poorly as well, and Havili's trained the house down, and now he's the starting nine. And it looks like they might even have Sam Williams instead of Garvey on the bench as well, which means that if that's the case, Havili's looking at probably 60 minutes. So he's pretty much close to a must, isn't he? 177 grand, 60 minutes starting hooker. If you can fit him in, maybe. <laughs> I can't fit him in, mate. Who have you got there? You've gone, you've gone dual guns, have you? Smith and Cook. Ooh. Okay. Um, yeah, no. Look, he's going to make you money. I'm, I'm just in the camp where I. I want the stability of Smith and because like, I haven't picked him in the last two or three years and it's killed my season single-handedly every freaking year. <laughs> so I'm just getting in there for the stability and I just, a guy like um, Cook who can average 70 or 80 and is priced at a 50, I'm not giving it up, no way in hell. So you can take your cash and shove it. I'm taking the points. So I don't, I don't, I'd, I'd much rather be the coach at the end of the year who's finished first with the least amount of money in the bank than I have a crap load of money and say my team's worth 11 mil and I finish 10th. 10th doesn't give you a shit. I want 50k. So I'm going to points. Okay. Fair enough. I'm not going to double hookers because I'm, I'm definitely spending elsewhere. I'm, uh, as you can tell by me saying that I've got Merrin and Papali and Brown and some other guys in my back row, I'm, um, I'm spending on back rowers. So I'm definitely only going to spend on one hooker. So I'm really happy to have a, um, a cheaper Vili to chuck there at the second one, and he'll he'll make money. Saturday nights be shit out. Well, okay. How am I going to handle two? I've already got. Yeah, it's tough enough with one. <laughs> but no, it's a joke. But uh, yeah, so I, I've got him. I think that you agree is a good buy though. So um, yeah, I I'm looking forward to the Raiders season. Um, I think we're pretty much wrapped up for the Raiders. They're, they're the main guys that I think are going to be the ones to watch out for. <laughs> And, yeah, have to have to agree with. And you, you said you got four South players. I've actually, I've got four Raiders players. I've got Papali, BJ, and Havili, and Rapana. So I'm. Sonia. Uh, if they turn into like, um, gee, I don't know, um, the Raiders. <laughs> well, it, it concerns me a little bit, but not really because it's sort of, you know, it's a bit misleading. So I got four Raiders. I mean, one of the guys is a Ford who's not going to be affected either way. The other guys, yeah, are, the other guys are cash cow who I'm not going to play ever, and the other two, it's, it's basically two guys that, that could hurt me, and I've got no qualms benching BJ and just you know playing a hot rookie if I need to do that for a while. 
I don't think Rapana will disappoint me. So I'm okay. I think for no. anyone who builds their teams, I think you're all right. Would you hold him? Who? Um, I, 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 I made that mistake last year. I've got a, got a rubbish score of semi, then I've got 150. Or oh, got 150, then rubbish. I can't remember which way it was. I think it was his second round. Would I hold? I'm so pumped about it. And then I just held and held and held and held and held and just my heart just got crushed. If Rapana died in the ass, would you hold him? Or would you ride the wave down and then get him when everyone else does? Interesting question. I think that I would hold him only because, like I said with that draw, it's almost designed to really hurt you um, to sell him because he's always going to hit that game against an opposition the way the draw is structured where... He might he might be bad for a few games, but you know he's going to hit a big score that fourth game, and then you're just going to be scrambling. And you know I had that happen last year to me, when I was just scrambling so many times to try and buy the guy, and I just had no way of doing it. And that's one of the yeah. things. It's just you can't miss out on those guys. Like you can't miss out on a guy that can score 150 points, and you know probably will have a, a game of 150, and probably will have a heap of tons as well that'll throw in along the way. You know I just. I think it's, it's but I will I will say Billy there is a chance that I would drop him and the sort of chance I'm talking about is around team build. I think if anyone's got him and he's gone on a really dud run and he's going to drop like you know 70 grand or something and you've got guys in your center wing that you can rotate that you're confident with like I don't know maybe you've got a boom rookie who's playing really well and you know, averaging 55 or something, and then three other centre-wing guns that you've built yourself with. You know, If you can afford it, then maybe. But um, if, you know, if you're going to drop Rapana and you've just lost a couple hundred grand and the best guy that you can buy is, I don't know, Sean Kenny Dowell or something, you're going to have to play that guy. You know, there's no point. You may as well play Rapana and just ride with it. So I think some of it comes down to team build as well. Yeah, I made the wrong decision last year. I bought Lafayette at five hundred K as opposed to Rapana when it was three fifty. But if it was the thing was reversed and Rapana had you know, I don't know, a one fifty kind of B after two games and he was doing twenty threes and someone like Lafayette had had an absolute shocker and started showing the offloads again and then had had um Warriors and Gold Coast coming up, I'd I'd be very tempted to flick a switch and then and then come back the other way, sort of three or four games later. Yeah, the quick the quick cash grab is an interesting one as well. Where you know, if he's going to drop one hundred thirty thousand or something, and somebody else is going to go up a hundred thousand, you know, the the drop for a couple of weeks yeah. and then pick back up. You can definitely play that game a little bit. You can't do it too much, but you can definitely do it once or twice. And he is a sort of guy who, you know, like you said, you know, could hit eight hundred thousand. And could just as quickly yeah. come down to four hundred fifty thousand in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I've never done it before, but after seeing it a couple of times last year and making mistakes, I can see I can definitely see the value of it. Especially after reading um, uh, what's his name, Sam, that, that, that guy who won it last year. I can't remember his name, Sam something or other. Yep. Anyway, I read, I read his profile on the um, talk site the other day. It, it was really insightful. The guys, um, I mean, you don't win these things for your luck. The guy. It seems like an absolute genuine bloke who really knows his footy and just listening to the way he actually wrote about taking punts on dropping guys and picking up pods and throwing captaincies on blokes, you really do have to take that punt every now and then. Even if it's just one or two, the only advice I can give you is just follow your gut. And if that means a bloke's not performing and has like 180 beer and you get someone like someone like Lafayette who's coming up against the Titans with a negative 50 beer, 
makes sense to make two make two hundred k potentially make sort of a hundred two hundred points in a couple of games and then buy a bloke back. I mean, if you get thirty seven trades in the season, so what? Blow two, get two hundred points, two hundred k, and uh, tell yourself you've only got thirty five. I mean, the whole, the whole objective of the game is to use those trades to maximise your points and your cash. So. Why not do it fast? Yeah, and like the 37 trades definitely allows you to do it. That's quite a few trades that we've got to still work with. So you could do it. I think, um, and it's not like you to Spruik, a um, fellow Parramatta supporter, by the way. But anyway, we'll move past that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we stick together, huh? Yeah, I can tell. The thing with that, with what you're talking about, though, and I think you kind of touched on it as well, anyone that's doing any of this stuff, it's all with all the super coach, for me anyway, in my opinion, all of it's moderation. You know, it's like drinking. If you drink in moderation, it can be great and it's a lot of fun. If you drink too much, you're going to be an idiot and you're going to end up on your face. And it's, it's very much like that with a lot of this stuff. You know, if you're going to pick a couple of left-field pods and, you know, a Nick Kotrick or something, that's all good. It's fine because you need a couple of those to come off. You know, if you don't get a couple of those ones to come off and you've got all these guys that have high ownership and are playing guys that are duds, you're not going to go above the pack at any any point of the season. So you need to have a couple. Yeah, but, no. but there's my, a... my, my, I know what you're saying. My, my, my approach is that moderation is good as long as you don't have too much of it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I always take a punt on a couple of guys. But, you know, there's a difference between taking a punt on, you know, a couple of guys in your 25-man squad to saying, I'm going to have a Paul Brown template team of 20 guys that are all pods and, you know, another five popular guys. You can't have it the wrong way around. You've got to get burnt real badly. So, and that's the same thing with the selling as well. You know, you can't you can't be selling everybody that's going to drop in price. You've got to pick and choose your moments and do it at the right time. Yeah, that's but, what happens when you play with fire. <laughs> just play with a little bit of fire, and it might work out. All right, Billy. Well, thanks for coming back on the show for part two. We'll uh, hit up part three shortly. But um, yep, thanks for your time. And everyone out there, we'll be out with part three soon. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Uh, We'll be taking a deep dive into two or three teams in the next few days as well. Thanks very much.